Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. When Christmas season hits, people become very depressed. They become depressed because they've lost sight of the true purpose and meaning of why we celebrate. Instead of looking at the arrival of salvation, God with us, Emmanuel, they see past celebrations where loved ones were with them, but not this year. They remember wrapping one less gift this year than they did previous years. And because of a loss that they're experiencing and the grief that accompanies that loss, I understand that, Cindy and I, with the loss of our daughter, But still, we understand, and it's imperative for all of us to keep in perspective why we celebrate. It isn't about the gifts. It's not about how much money we have this year to spend on giving to others, to spend on ourselves. It's not about all of the wonderful events we get to attend, which are great. There's nothing wrong with that. I look forward to them. But seasons come and go. Life changes, right? And so this season... This Christmas, not only for all of us in this auditorium, but for all of you who are watching around the world this live stream, it's imperative to remember why we celebrate. It's important to remember it's not about us, not about me, it's not about I, it's not about self, it's about Jesus. It's about salvation, the purpose, the miracle that accompanied His arrival, and that's why the whole purpose behind This series I began last week called Let There Be Light. When Jesus came into this world, it was an illumination in the spirit realm and even on that starry night of what? Light. So as we continue, last week I focused on the appearance of light. In order to understand the appearance of light and why it was so necessary for the Christ child to come, we needed to look at the origin of darkness and its connection to Lucifer, who then became Satan after his fall, the prince of darkness. We also examine that he is the one responsible for initiating Adam's fall. Yes, Eve and then Adam ate of the forbidden fruit. For the record, the Scripture does not say it was an apple. It just says it was a fruit. It was not an evil fruit, but it belonged to God was his property. In fact, it's the first references I brought out of tithing in the Bible, in the very book of beginnings, Genesis, when that was reserved for God and God alone. And God said, the day you eat of that fruit, you'll surely die. So we understand then the tempter was the one behind the temptation. Yes, Adam and Eve responsible for their actions, but still we know it originated. The whole approach the whole attack, the whole temptation coming from the prince of darkness. And because they ate, because they disobeyed God, it opened the door for darkness. Think about that. There was no darkness in creation until that moment, and I mean spiritually, as well as its other effects on the natural world. But there was no spiritual darkness in the Garden of Eden until they ate of the forbidden fruit. But also when we see that because of that eating of the forbidden fruit, that it opened the door for darkness, it also brought about the promise of God's divine intervention. 
See, some people don't look fully into the whole miracle of salvation the way they should. When God created Adam and Eve, he knew they were going to eat of the forbidden fruit. He already knew what their actions would be, and he already prepared for it. Some people say, well, if God knew that was going to happen, if it was inevitable, then why did he do it? Why didn't he do it differently? And the response I brought out last week is, that which is created will always break. So the only way something created, like a pot, you can drop it, it breaks. Some people would say, well, what about Tupperware? That's a very good alternative, but it doesn't work in a spiritual analogy because it's not made from the earth as man was made from the dust of the earth. So whatever is created can break. So God needed a reason to be able to put His Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, within man, but He needed a legal right, a legal pathway in order to do that. And so by allowing the fall... It opened the door because Satan broke the law of God. And by breaking the law of God, God himself being the ultimate judge had the legal right to enforce the law. And he enforced the law by sending a second Adam. His name, Jesus Christ. Paul references the second Adam all through his epistles. And the second Adam was God in human form. And because he was born without sin... It gave God the legal right to put His Holy Spirit within His Son who took on earthen form. Couldn't have done that any other way. And thus we see why it was necessary for one event to happen in order to initiate the second event that would bring about this divine intervention. After the fall took place, God had words with the devil. He doesn't speak much to the enemy, but when he does, you will know it's significant. Here the fall had happened, and God himself spoke directly to the serpent, to Satan, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, which reads, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Did you know this is the first reference in all of Scripture to the promise of Messiah? The promise of Redeemer. God was already prepared, and He knew what that next step would be at the appointed time. So with this in mind, the text we're going to look at today is Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 25 through 32. We're going to be examining an Old Testament priest at the temple by the name of Simeon. How many are familiar with Simeon? If you're not, you'll become even more familiar with him as we go through this message and teaching today. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation. I want you to circle that in your Bibles or write it in your notes on your bulletins. This is important. We're a teaching church and a preaching church. Somebody shout me down. Okay, now get your pens out. All right. Waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him, to Simeon, by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Circle that, the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit. Isn't that amazing? 
He listened to God. He came by the Spirit. Where? Into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, that is where our New Testament baby dedications come from. There was no christening. There was no sprinkling of water. This was just bringing the child to the temple to be offered to God, fulfilling the directive of the law. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, plural, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. And the glory of your people, Israel. In this portion of Scripture, Simeon, as I mentioned, a temple priest, was one of the first to ever experience the journey of light. When Jesus first was born, he was met by shepherds eventually, who came to the stable to pay homage to worship. Divine appointment for the lowly, showing the heart of Almighty God for all people, even those less fortunate. But then this second appearance, this second arrival was an introduction to a man who had received, as we read in this portion of Scripture, a promise decades, decades prior. He'd been waiting for years upon years upon years that he would not see death until he beheld the Lord's Christ. God's promise to Simeon was being fulfilled that day. Mary and Joseph and the child Jesus came into the temple. And this was the one that he saw, Simeon seeing Jesus. Jesus was the one who would set in motion what he had been waiting for. What was that? The consolation. The consolation. Let me reread Luke 2.25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout. Everybody say just and devout. Waiting for the consolation. There's that word again. The consolation for Israel and the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. May it be said of us as well. Amen. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now the first thing that Scripture says about him, Dr. Luke says, that he was just. That means he had been tested and approved by God. Now sometimes when people see that word test, they think, oh my goodness, I don't want to go through a test. Now tests are good. Now sometimes what that situation may be may not come from God, but rather the devil, but it is allowed by God. It was the same thing with Job. When you look at his life, Satan said, let me test him. Let me bring harm to him. His faith will buckle under the pressure. He'll renounce you. And we know the end of the story. He remained true and steadfast. In all of his humanity, he maintained his faith, and he was teachable. You see, that's what a test is about. It's about revealing your strengths and your weaknesses. When a professor in a university or a school, an academia setting, takes and and gives an exam to his or her students... It's to show the student as well as the teacher 
where they're strong and grounded, but where also where they need help. Why? So that they can gain more knowledge, so that they can be more knowledgeable. It's a good thing. And so when you look at the life of Simeon, he was a man who had lived life. He had walked through quite a bit. You can't live to the age he was and not have gone through some mountaintops as well as some valleys. Life isn't always fair, amen? But God is good and He's faithful as we maintain our trust and commitment to Him. So here you see, because of these, Simeon had passed the test. He was approved by God. He remained steadfast. But it also says he was not only you know, just, but he was also devout. He was devoted. He was God-fearing and reverent. Sometimes when people see this word, he feared God. People think, oh my goodness, he had a phobia of God? There are different types of fear in Scripture. And the word that's used here really deals more with the aspect it's defined more appropriately as reverence, respect, to revere. So here we look at the life of Simeon, and he was a man that really believed the Word of God. He was a man who lived by faith. So what exactly was it that Simeon was waiting for? He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. So what's that word mean? We know it comes from the root to console, but it also is defined as to exhort, comfort, encourage, or refresh. It's nice to be refreshed, isn't it? Have any of you ever needed to reboot or refresh your computer, your phone? Why? Because it's not operating properly. It needs specialized attention to restore what it was designed to do. Here's another example. Some of you who may have a pool in your property, you go home on a hot summer day, you get there after a long day at work, and you're sweating, and maybe the air conditioning has broken down, and so you take a dive into that pool or go to a community pool or call up one of your friends who has a pool, and you say, can I come over? But when you dive into the water, what does it do? You feel refreshed, invigorated, revived, renewed. And so that's what consolation means. It means to bring revival, to be refreshed, renewed. And we knew what God was looking to do, and Simeon understood this, was not just a physical thing, but really its intent was spiritual. A spiritual move of God to revive the Jewish people and to revive all peoples into a knowledge and relationship with God Almighty through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what Christmas is all about, and that's what Simeon was waiting on says he was waiting to see the one who would abolish what? The stronghold of sin and darkness. Can you imagine if Jesus never came? We'd still all be in bondage. What was it that had a grip on you before you came to the Lord? Or maybe you never got into that as far, so you have a difficulty drawing that comparison. But maybe there are certain things in your family line that have been habits or issues or things that people and your family struggled with addictions possibly. Think of what your life could have been if Christ had never come and you never had the opportunity to make a commitment to Him. I look at the gambling and alcoholism that runs in my father's side of the family. 
Had I not experienced Jesus because He never came, there would be no preacher in this pulpit. In fact, there would be no churches anywhere. It would be truly no more Christmas. But that didn't happen. Somebody say amen. Because God always keeps His word. Say amen again. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You see, Simeon was waiting for God to light things up. He was ready for the darkness to be overpowered, to be expelled. He was waiting for God's light. Luke 2.32 reads, a light. That's how it's comparison in, in respect to Jesus here. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. That's what Dr. Luke said when he was recording this whole account about Simeon seeing Jesus when he was just a child. In other words, Simeon was waiting for the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one, the one who received his very promise thousands of years before his appearing. When the Lord spoke to Abraham through your seed, all the nations, not just one, not just Israel, not just the Jewish people, but all the nations, plural. In the text we read, it said peoples, plural. All the nations of the earth will be blessed. Do you know who your greatest, 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 greatest grandfather is? Adam. We all come from the very first seed. And that's why Jesus needed to come. He became the spiritual seed that we would have birth, not physically, but spiritually again. Born again. A rebirth. And then that is what will carry us all the way into eternity. That's what Simeon was waiting for. He wasn't looking at himself. He wasn't looking at the immediate. He was looking, even beyond his lifetime, what would happen because of Messiah. He got it. He understood it. He was waiting for the Christ. In Luke 2.26 it says, And it had been revealed to him that the whole, by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now there are two key words in this verse. The first one I want to draw your attention to is the word revealed. Revealed also is defined as manifested or disclosed. It's like a hidden truth. And then this hidden truth is disclosed to someone trusted by God. It's revealed to him a confidence that God himself shared with Simeon. And what was this truth that was revealed? The Christ. He would see the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the one who would once and for all break the back of the kingdom of darkness and their king, the prince of darkness, and establish his rule and his reign forever. I mean, when I look at how bad things are getting now, can you imagine if there was no end to this? Think about it. The hatred. Look at all of the anti-Semitism. Look at all the persecution against Christians now. You don't see it as much as escalating in this nation. But other nations, I have dear friends who pastor, bishops, missionaries around the world. I've been with some of them even most recently. I was in Buffalo, New York for three days. I was sitting with some very 
respected and anointed men and women of God. And it was a council where we all gathered together. And I began to gain a synopsis of what's really happening. And just as there is an increasing and escalating persecution against Christianity, and we're seeing it all through even the Middle East now, it's getting worse. You know, the United States, and they equate Christianity with it, the great Satan. And then you have Israel, the little Satan. And it's just going to continue because we're seeing that whole mindset populating all the countries and nations throughout the world with that whole narrative, that whole dialogue, that whole talking point. This is all a sign of the times. And that's why it's imperative we understand Christmas, we understand our mission, we understand what God has made available so we can be the light, so we can make a difference. It doesn't have to end on a low for the church. And guess what? God said it won't. But if we don't rise up, there can be areas where there's extreme oppression versus other areas where they're living under the protection and glory of God until the rapture happens when the shofar, the trumpet of God, sounds. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to live in the sweet spot. Somebody say amen. amen. <laughs> Nothing like the sweet spot. Praise the Lord. So it said he would see the anointed one, the Messiah. That was the promise. Now, with that promise, notice the emphasis, emphasis on the word prior to Christ. Luke says he will see what? The Lord's Christ. Everybody say the Lord's Christ. What is this telling us? It's saying many have come claiming to be Messiah prior, but they were not authentic. They were false Christ. I mean, if you read the history books, you read Josephus and other documentations about Jewish history, there had been many throughout that, those early history times. Once that, that there was the promise out there that a Messiah would come, there were many, especially in that quiet time. It was very silent prophetically, just before Jesus was born for several hundred years. And so during this quiet time, they call it, the theologians call it, you know, their uh, people would say, I'm the Messiah. And they would try to gain a following and they would try to gain, you know, you know riches and resources only to fail and to fall and to prove untrue. And not just one, but there were many. They had come and they had gone. Now you have this priest, Simeon, man of God. How do we know that? Because Luke said he was devout. He was just. May that be said of us. Amen. And, and he had seen the same thing. Just prior to Jesus coming over decades, many had said, I'm the Christ. I'm the Christ. And I'm sure at first, you know, Simeon was probably excited because God had left him that promise, right? You will not see death until you behold the Lord's Christ. And so there may have been times he went to see, and then when he got there, how do we know when something is or isn't from God? First, by his word, and second, by the witness of the Holy Spirit. Then Simeon got there, it's not the one. And then eventually, what he felt was proven true when this false Christ would eventually fail and reveal himself as a liar and a fraud. But then one day, one day, it all changed. So as he was in that waiting mode, that's why Simeon refused. Even though there had been many, he had refused to settle for anything other than God's best. 
And you know that principle applies in our lives as well. Sometimes we receive a promise. We know it's from God. But we get tired of waiting. How many of you like to wait? That's why there's drive through That's why they call it fast food. Right? Now they have order in advance. Gets even better. Home delivery. You can Uber. Have Uber deliver meals. Grubhub. All of these things that make it convenient. Why? Because human nature doesn't like to wait. Like Simeon, thank God he had bulldog faith. You know why I call it bulldog faith? Because the jowls and the bite pressure of a bulldog are strong. The pound per bite is so strong. You need something maybe like a nice juicy steak in front of their nose in order to get that bulldog to release its hold, its grip. And because Simeon had bulldog faith, even with a juicy steak by his nose, he wouldn't let go. He waited. He knew that one day, somehow, some way, God would fulfill his promise. What are you waiting on? What is it you're waiting on? Refuse impatience and embrace, embrace patience, embrace faith. Don't take second best. Some of you may have done that in the past. I know I have. And I'm so glad I learned from it because I never settled for second best after that. Yeah, I, I heard a saying a long time ago, you only eat dirt once. If you eat it a second time, shame on you. So we don't want to eat dirt a second time. Maintain your faith, your diligence, your grip on the promise of God until it comes to fruition. You see, Simeon knew only the Lord's Christ could fulfill the consecration. What does that mean? To be consecrated? We'll examine that a little further in a moment. Now, with that in mind, let me ask, how was it that Simeon was able to recognize that the child Jesus was the Messiah? I mean, all the other Messiahs were fully grown. If you research some of the history about that, they were grown men. And they were itinerant preachers trying to gain a following and stardom, and celebrity status. And yet they failed, but here now Simeon, just in his daily routine, a priest at the temple, unexpectedly, Mary and Joseph, they knew what they were doing as far as Jesus was of the age where he was to be dedicated at the temple to Almighty God. They knew their responsibility because of the great care they were instructed to give to God's only Son. But they also knew this was part of the fulfillment of the law. Think about it for a moment. The responsibility that Mary and Joseph had is mind-boggling. When Jesus was first born, He had no ability to run from harm and evil. He had no ability to resist any type of of challenge that could come against him. Who provided that protection? Mary and Joseph. When he was a child, he had to be taught just like us, just like your children, and the children your children will bring you, and on. Jesus had to be given an education. He had to learn the Word of God, the Torah, and the law. He had to go through all of the growing pains. He had to be taught right from wrong. 
During those early years, which you don't hear much about, they were his vulnerable times. And during that vulnerability, Mary and Joseph were the covering. Just as you, as parents, are the covering for your children. You can't always determine the choices our children, I include myself, Cindy and I, will make in their adult years once they're out from the covering of our home. But when they're under your home, when they're under your covering, when they're living in your house, that's when, like Mary and Joseph, we fulfill, I include myself, we fulfill our responsibilities faithfully. We teach them the things of Jesus. Because as soon as they get into the school systems, and then they get into higher education, they leave the home, they're on their own, they're going to be bombarded from every direction with an anti-Christ, anti-God narrative talking point. And unless there is a foundation which begins when they're young, I'm telling you, there are many. These are statistics from church missiologists that say when many Christian young people get into universities, that is when they stray from their faith. Why? Because the foundations weren't laid properly when they were younger. Now, for some of you who feel like, oh my goodness, he's speaking to me. Listen to me. There are many. All of us can be part of that narrative. But that isn't where it ends. That's why once we come to that place where we understand, even when those that were under our covering at once time, we're still a spiritual covering for them now. For my household, I'm the patriarch. My wife is the matriarch. We are the spiritual head now, other than my mother who is 95 going on 96. God bless her. May that same health and strength be on me. Hallelujah. And Cindy. I don't want to go that far without her. <laughs> but when we understand our calling, God is the God of new beginnings. But why seek for a new beginnings when you can do it right the first time? Look at the person next to you. I like that. See, I like that to somebody next to you. You didn't sound too enthusiastic. You didn't really like it, but you needed it. Praise the Lord. So here we see Simeon believing that one day he would see the Lord's Christ, the one who would bring the consolation and the consecration. How did he know the infant Jesus would be there that day in the temple when he was there? Look at Psalm 119, 105. David says this. He says, your word. Everybody say, your word. That was a little bit more enthusiastic. I like that. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, one thing you know about Simeon is he loved the word of God. He was not only a preacher. You can be a preacher and not love the word of God. It just becomes a job. You can be a priest and not love the word of God. You know, how much you spend with what you love determines what you love. Your spouse, an activity, your God. That's why if I was never a pastor, you couldn't keep me out of church. I love the Lord. And this is one way I get to connect with Him and His people and fulfill the command not to forsake the assembling together of the righteous. Amen, the saints. But how in the world did Simeon know that would be the day? Well, the answer, he didn't know. But God knew. Why? Because God's Word is a lamp to our feet. It lights our path. In other words, even when we don't realize it, God is directing our steps. Have you ever just walked into something, maybe a job or, 
or a relationship or, or a blessing. All of a sudden, bang, there it is. I remember one year, one of my daughters, we took her Christmas shopping, and she was with another friend. And then we walked out to the car, right? And right by the door where my one daughter was about to get in the back seat, her mother and I were driving, there were three crisp $20 bills, $60, right there at her door. And she had just been saying, as we're walking out of the mall, I wish I had some more money for Christmas gifts. Well, guess who was listening? Some of you might say, well, that's just coincidental. No, God even begins with children when they're younger to teach them that God sees, He knows, He hears. And if He can do that, there was no purpose in that other than to really strengthen her knowledge to understand, wow, God really does hear what we ask. And so here you have Simeon. He had received this word from God decades prior. I'm sure at times, he, he, especially after all the false Christ had come down the pike, he was tired of waiting. He was tired of looking. And when that happens, that's when we're tempted to take things into our own hands. Well, I can't take this anymore. I, I'm just going to force this job. I'm just going to force this relationship. I'm going to force this child. I'm going to force this situation. And when we try to force something that God is not behind, it can create a full spectrum of nightmares. You don't want that. When we try to help God, we just get ourselves in trouble. I think we all learned that in life, right? Have you ever tried to help God or am I the only one? That's why it's imperative. Simeon, in spite of what his emotions were saying, he did not push the issue. He waited. He waited. He waited. He knew if it's from God, and I believe it is, then I'm not going to be accused. You know, sometimes when you're waiting on something so profound, honestly, you don't want to help God. Because you know when it comes to pass, you want to understand beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was Him, not us. I didn't help it out in any way. This is God. I remember the first church I was ever a part of. I was an assistant pastor over student ministries and music. But the way I got that job, Cindy and I were living in Pennsylvania, up by our university that we graduated with our undergraduate degree, Messiah University. And then God put on our heart that we were to go to New Jersey. I never wanted to go to New Jersey. When I used to ski in the New England mountains, that was before back surgery a few years back, you know, we used to call all my friends and buddies, we'd be headed up, you know, to New England, up to Vermont. We used to call New Jersey the armpit, Right? of New York. And, and, you know, some of you have always heard that. How, how dare, whoever coined that phrase, forgive me for even repeating that phrase for any New Jerseyans who are watching this broadcast or who are in this house right now. But, you know, New Jersey was nothing. So I, I said, when we graduate, Cindy, I'm not going to New Jersey. I, I just don't see us in New Jersey. Well, it's amazing what you can make yourself believe, right? And then God spoke to us, you belong in New Jersey. So I put feelers out. I only knew, other than my wife and her family, who weren't connected to the Assemblies of God, I only knew one person, so I just said, hey, I'm coming to New Jersey, and uh, I'm open if God wants me to serve some type of pastoral role in that state. He got two different places to host me. Uh, one, I did full ministry. The other, I just performed some music. Well, I went, 
And when I sat in the auditorium of the second place, it was Evangel Chapel, Bridgewater, New Jersey, the Lord spoke to Cindy and I at the same time, but she spoke to me first and confirmed what the Holy Spirit was telling me. She says, Craig, I don't know how, but God told me this is where we're going to be. And they already had a student ministries pastor. So I said, well, I, I, I sort of feel that. She had more faith than me, I admit it. But if it's God, he's going to have to open the door because they already have someone in that position. So after the service, I went up to the pastor and I said, can we get together? He goes, sure, I'm available Tuesday. This was a Sunday night before that Tuesday. I'm off on Mondays, but this is a, uh, I'm available Tuesday. So I said, that's great. I'll, I'll meet you here. He says, meet me here at 12 noon. We'll go have a bite to eat together. You know, pastors always like to have a bite to eat, right? <laughs> and uh, so I met him there. We went out. And then when we came back in the parking lot, I was about to get out of his car and head, you know, back to Flemington, New Jersey, where Cindy's parents lived. And we were just visiting with them right then until God would open a door of where I would be in ministry. And I said to the, uh, to the pastor, I said, you know, you don't know me. And there are so many oddballs that come down the pike. I said, I've never done this in my life. You don't know that, but I assure you it's true. I feel like God spoke to my wife and me also, that this is where I'm going to serve. But you have no openings. He goes, well, Craig, if it's God then he's going to have to open the door because I have a full-time guy in that position. And he says, but let's pray and commit it to the Lord. So we did. I left. Three weeks later, I heard this story. When the pastor went back into his office, he had a counseling session with someone. Following that counseling session, there was a knock on his office door. It was his student ministries pastor. He came in, put a letter on the pastor's desk, which was his letter of resignation, immediately following the lunch. When the pastor opened it, read it, he had to wait two weeks to believe it. I said, Cindy, are you sure you heard? I'm struggling right now. And she says, I know God showed me. One thing a lot of you may not know about my wife, and she'll beat me up later for this, right? She is a seer. God shows her into the spirit realm. Many times, many times. And she has been such a strength over my many years of ministry and a strength to many others that she has spoken over. God shows her not so much a word, but a vision. And he'll show her things that are about to become a part of that individual's life. And I've never seen her miss it. So I thank God for a godly woman in my life. Well, finally, we get the phone call. And sure enough, it came to pass. Three weeks after that, my phone rang. I picked it up. It was that pastor, and we were headed to New Jersey. And, you know, it's interesting because when I first committed my life to being a preacher, I was in the music industry, secular for many years, and then gospel music, and, and really had a career that was moving towards some, some great opportunities. And it was at that time when God told me I was called to preach, not to be in the music industry. He said, Craig, you're just a preacher who just happens to be able to sing and play an instrument. But that's not your full calling. And so when God confirmed that to me, he gave me Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, which reads, Thou shalt remember all the way the Lord thy God has led thee. And you know, every step of the way, just like Simeon, 
God has made His will, His direction, very clear. And because He has no favorites, look at the person next to you and say, He has no favorites. This principle applies to you. God desires to direct your steps, lead, guide you, just like He did Simeon. Why? Because we are God's mouthpiece. We are a connector. Think of it like a, a link chain, right? The link in a chain. If one of the links are missing, the chain can't fulfill its purpose. But when all of the links are doing their part, we help all together to turn the wheel that moves things in the right direction. Is that making sense? And think of where we would be if Simeon had never honored the Lord. You see, Simeon, he loved the Word of God, and it was the Word of God combined with the Spirit of God that opened his heart and mind to recognize that the Christ child was standing before him. Here, an infant, something he never expected. And now, the Lord says, He's the one. Hallelujah. That's how God works. We get ourselves into trouble because we have all of these preconceived ideas and expectations. How it's going to work. Well, God says, slow down, buddy. Slow down. Let me do it. I'm faithful. When I see how God's provided for this church over all of my going on 18 years now, I'm astounded. They said I would never have a building. We have a building. We ran out of money because of the pandemic for the addition, and then God gave us within three, four additional months everything that was necessary. But that's not just for River of Life. It's for anyone, any church, any person that will just honor the Lord. If we stay faithful and we push through, did you hear that word? Push through. How many of you old-time saints remember what it means to pray through, to push through, to intercede when we're faithful and we're, like I said, bulldog faith, tenacious faith, and we push through? We will see that chain on the wheel the movement that comes from us, from it to take us to the other side in every aspect of your life. Some of you waiting on career decisions, ministry decisions, family decisions, financial decisions, whatever it is. We can have God's assurance that He'll be there because of Christmas, because of Jesus, who enabled and provided an intimacy with God the Father, unlike any other point in time and place in history. Do you know the Bible says this? Look it up in your Bibles. That the angels look on us and they marvel. Now I think if you saw an angel, you'd marvel. I would too. Wow, an angel. But they look on us and marvel. What is there to marvel? I'll tell you what it is. Scripture tells us. Angels do not have the Holy Spirit residing within them. They're spirits, they're angelic beings, but they're not indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Do you know angels can still fall? And they can join the ranks of, of Lucifer, now Satan, and the demonic host under the earth. Do you know when hell was created? When God created man. Before God created light, restored light to the earth, Satan just roamed the earth with his, his demons. But then when God began the restoration, spoke light, and then finally the greatest miracle of all when he created man in his own image. He created hell because he says, you guys are not going to coexist. Not like that. And that's just temporary until the lake of fire, until the bottomless pit, and until all the other prophecies that surround 
Scripture and history and mankind and eternity come to pass. Hallelujah. Some of you probably are saying, what is he talking about? Well, there's just so much for you to gain and to learn from the Word of God. Nominal Christianity won't give you this. Just going through the Bible won't get you this. But when you study to show yourself approved, when you fall in love with the Word of God, you fall in love with God. Hallelujah. If you're going to praise Him, praise Him big. Come on. Everybody, praise Him big. I don't want a quiet church. I want a church with a voice. Because God wants a church with a voice. Hallelujah. Lord, give me strength. His presence is so strong here. The light that radiates from God's Word, that's what enabled Simeon to recognize the fulfillment of this prophecy. So what am I saying? Simeon understood this principle. The Word and Spirit work together. Have you ever had people say, the Spirit gave me a word for you, and then it's like out in left field. The Spirit of God will never speak contrary to the written Word of God. Or maybe some people come up and they just want to speak the Word of God to you, but yet there's no anointing, not on the Word, but on them. And it's like a lead balloon, bang, it just hits the ground. That's why I love being Pentecostal. I do. Pentecost isn't having a show and a display of the gifts of the Spirit to, to see that God still does all of these things. He does, and we want the gifts to move decently and in order. But Pentecost is about empowering us outside of the four walls of this facility, outside of the four walls of your church, of your home, wherever you're located. And we take the gospel like the 120 did from the upper room to the streets. That's Pentecost. And you bring the gifts of the Spirit with you. That's Pentecost. When I was traveling to Israel and I saw all of the, uh, the, the Jewish priests that were on the plane, and, and, and then when it hit daybreak, and, or, and, and they just began to pray. They began to pray the Shema, and, and they covered their heads. And it must have been about 50 plus, 50, 60. It was a big jet. And they were all praying. And I saw, look, Heavenly Father, at this dedication and many Christians are ashamed to pray a blessing in public over their meal. But yet here they were, just praying over and over again. The Lord our God is one. The Lord our God is one. Stortuses were trying to sit down, sit down. You're disrupting the plane. They didn't care. The Lord our God. I was so inspired by that dedication. May the Lord Hammer our hearts with this same passion. Hallelujah. You see, Simeon understood the Word and the Spirit worked together. And he was dependent on the Holy Spirit. He was devout. He was holy. But he needed God now to honor his obedience. When you think of the Word and the Spirit working together, doesn't Luke 2.25 state the Holy Spirit was upon him? Who? Simeon. So how did he recognize when Jesus, the child, entered? First, the Holy Spirit was upon him. We all need the Holy Spirit upon us, not only within us, but upon us. There are two phenomenons. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal to us divine God encounters. It also says in Luke 2.27 that he, Simeon, came by the Spirit into the temple. This man, he came by the Spirit. It wasn't like he woke up. He was never at the temple. 
His life was the temple. He was always there being faithful to God, fulfilling what God had commanded him to do. And then because of his spirit dedication to being in the presence of God, that's what brought him literally into the presence of God, Messiah Jesus. He had no idea. I'm sure there were days when when he had time off. Everyone has that. But God divinely orchestrated that day. That day would be the day. And he brought, speaking of he, God, brought Jesus to Simeon. Simeon didn't have to chase after the prophecy. He didn't have to pursue the dream. The dream pursued him. What dream do you have? Let me ask this. Are you convinced it's from God? Because that's key. There's a lot of people dreaming the wrong dream. But God wants us to dream his dream for our lives. And when we're dreaming that dream, all hell combined won't be able to stop it. In fact, the only one who could stop it would be you, or for my life, me. But if we embrace and we are faithful, when it seems like we're going nowhere, nothing is happening, this is a dead season, be faithful, be faithful, be faithful to the end, to the end. Think about it. Simeon would have missed the fulfillment of this promise when Jesus came with his parents. Had he allowed his emotions to override his obedience? It's never going to happen. I'm happen. I'm hoping happen. Yeah, he was hoping that it would happen, but he said it's never going to happen. What if he had said that? What if he had just given up? What if he said, "I'm done with the priesthood. I'm done with the Spirit of God. He doesn't speak anymore. I missed it." And then he left the day before, and someone else dedicated and fulfilled the promise that was originally given to Simeon. What would have happened? What would happen for your life if you give up on God one day too soon? What would happen to you if the blessing, the breakthrough, and the promise you have been waiting on for years and years and years possibly, the day you say, I'm done with it, God was right there, ready to ring the doorbell, ready to call your cell phone, but you deleted his number. You removed him from your list. Simeon never gave up, and neither should we. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Lord. It's important to understand, God honors faithfulness. Do you believe that? I do too. Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man. That means a woman too. The steps of a good man or woman are what? Ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Think of it this way. Obedience will bring God's promise to you. I like that. Makes it a lot easier, doesn't it? A lot less stressful, less expensive. I'll take that. Think of it this way. When David had gone through many, many deep valleys, and he was going through difficult times, he wrote in one of those encounters, the 23rd Psalm. And what did he say even in the midst of the valley? He said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me, Psalm 23, 6. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. Again, obedience will bring God's blessing to you. And this is exactly what Simeon experienced. Look at the end of his life. Here Mary and Joseph come in. They have the the Christ child. They look for the priest. And the moment Simeon saw Jesus, there was that witness. Word, spirit. He knew. And that's why he prayed these words in Luke 2, 29 through 32. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all, plural, peoples. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Three things happened here. Simeon saw God's salvation. Simeon experienced God's revelation. And Simeon beheld God's glory. Simeon could have gone a different direction, but he didn't. Thank God he didn't. Heaven was depending on Simeon. Creation was depending on Simeon. And now it's time for us to be like Simeon. There are those surrounding us that are depending on us. Oh, you may not know it. Some of the most, most, least candidates that may be around you likely to, to really count on you for faithfulness. They, they, you may think by looking at them, they, they could care less about what I do, what my opinion is, what I'm believing for. But I'm here to tell you, there are people that you would never guess in a million years that they would be counting on you, but they are. There are many who watch us from afar. Many who are hoping that we don't give up so that we can authenticate faith by our faithfulness and give them the hope they need to make the same commitment you've made, I've made. Jesus made the journey of light 2,000 years ago. And the effects of his journey are still impacting and transforming people's lives. That's why we're here. And that's why I'm so excited for 2024. I believe on God's calendar, it's a divine appointment. Things are going to change quickly. There's going to be a change in the spirit realm. And more than ever, believers need to be close with Jesus. They need to be one with the Holy Spirit. We need to be dedicated to the Word of God. There is a darkness that's going to come against this earth. But there is a wind of the Holy Spirit such as never been seen that is about to be released. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Where darkness increases, the light increases and dispels the darkness. God will never allow darkness to go unaddressed. But it's also going to be God's people who've embraced the light. That's what we're called. We're called to be the Simeons of this modern day and age. We are God's light to a lost and hurting world. And we need, we need to make our declaration the following. When we wake up, we need to speak light. Let there be light. When we're on our way to our jobs, let there be light. Students who go into the classroom, let there be light. How does God bring the light? Through us. Don't be ashamed to speak his name. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be timid to stand up for Jesus. You stand up for him. He'll still stand up for you. But he will come through in ways that will astound you. And you'll think, my God, there's no one 
like you. Amen? Let's all stand. How many want more? How many want to be attuned and astute to the things of God like Simeon? How many want that? It's for you. May we all cry out and say, Lord, yes, use me. Be his voice. Be God's mouthpiece. Be the light. Make a difference. Be Simeon. And Simeon was just being God because the Spirit of God had equipped him. And God has equipped you. Don't ride on your emotions. You're a man or a woman of faith. Amen. As the ladies lead us in a closing song, this altar is about just coming up and saying, Lord, increase the light in me. I want to be light. I want to be your voice. Those of you who can physically make it and stand around these altars with Cindy and I, then you'll be making the same declaration. Don't allow embarrassment. Don't allow pride. Don't allow feeling like everyone sees me. Once we go to our altar time, our live stream shuts down. Our altar ministry every single week is only for our immediate congregation. In a moment, they're going to be greeted by Cindy and I in a video closing while we take and make this declaration around the altar. I want to encourage you to come and say, Lord, I want you to increase the light in me. I'm willing to be your light. Amen. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.